1: Oh Jane, we've got a lovely guest today. Oh is it Harry Seacum? No, it's not Harry Seacum. <laughs> it's not Harry Styles. <laughs> is it another Harry? <laughs> no, it's unbelievable who it is. Oh sorry. It's that? Sarah from Unbelievable
0: Health. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Hot days in the shade of some big old tree Making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees Hello, Sarah! Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, well, I know you, you're going to tell us all about propolis and the good, good things that bees do for not only themselves, but for us. So, uh, the platform
2: is yours, Sarah. Oh. Well, that's, that's great. No, I mean, I think I'm probably just as big of a bee fan as both of you are in a slightly different area. Um, I'm a complete honey nerd, of course. And I do, my dream is to be a beekeeper one day when I'm, you know, maybe retired or working slightly less. I started a nutritional supplements company about 10 years ago, which is based on health from the hive. Because of course, as you know, bees make the most incredible, substances as well as honey um, Mm. which all have all sorts of studies on their various health benefits i worked with nutritionists what we've created is sort of these targeted supplements that combine different bee products like propolis pollen royal jelly and then we combine them with plant-based ingredients that bees pollinate that you don't usually find in a regular diet or multivitamins you know elderberry and olive leaf and things like that and into supplements that are for immunity and energy and stress and sleep and things like that. So how did you come to be making these unbelievable things? Um, Well, I think I'd always been interested in natural health. My father was a bit of a natural health nut. He had a sort of whole pantry full of vitamins and herbs and whatnot. So I was sort of brought up on that and trying to you know, not use prescription medication unless absolutely necessary. And I was sort of at the time living between New York and London um, when I started the business or before I started the business and I used to get sick a lot. And so I was speaking to, and working with different nutritionists trying to work out the very best natural remedies remedies to sort of build up your immune system. And it was funny because all these nutritionists, it seems like seemed like all of them mentioned propolis. Um, which I was already familiar with and I you know have always loved bees so I started using that in a combination of different other ingredients and we sort of landed on this this formula which was our original immune formula and so we sort of thought well you know I was working with some other people in the industry who were helping and and thought well look let's let's combine some of these bee ingredients with Plant-based ingredients, you know, many of which bees also pollinate, and you know what nice synergy that would be. And um, mm. and that was sort of how he's how I started. Mm, Fantastic, Sarah. I know this isn't about bees, but I think all that honey has
1: made you have such a beautiful voice, ah. hasn't it, Jane? Mm, yes, gorgeous. <laughs>
2: Whereabouts are you from exactly? Uh, well, I'm from Mississippi originally. I've been in the UK for many decades. Um, So, the accent is probably smoothed out, but when I first arrived, um, I went to university here and and people kept saying that I needed to have subtitles. (laughs) You know, when I first arrived, I spoke much more slowly and, oh, (laughs) how are y'all doing and great and all that. And I remember we went, um, I went with a group of friends one weekend somewhere and we were in a, I don't know, pub or somewhere and there was a TV on and they had a BBC documentary on mississippi and louisiana and it had subtitles so of course <laughs> they all were quite you know excited to say look you see we're right you do need subtitles oh,
1: it's so good. <laughs> do you mind if me and jane jane can you try to be sarah can you do a voice Do you think can you
0: do it i don't think so i don't think i can do it as good as sarah
1: you know that sounds for good
0: That's something that I have uh, difficulty with every now and again. So what
2: what would you recommend for sleep? The sleep supplement that we have, it's got royal jelly and Montmorency cherry, saffron, hops, uh, griffonia seed, which has natural 5-HTP, lavender, chamomile. So they're all just different things that sort of work together. Can I just ask you, Sarah, how do they help sleep? How does royal jelly help sleep? promote sleep. Each ingredient sort of has different types of actions. And royal jelly has been shown to have not necessarily, you know, it's not going to make you fall asleep. I mean, you can take royal jelly (laughs) and still drive. Um, It just makes you more (laughs) relaxed. Um, It's quite soothing. And then when you mix it with some of these other things, like it's the hops and the grafonia seed that are more able to help you fall asleep like montmorency cherry turns into melatonin in the body so does it yeah so there's not really anything that they're not sleep you know it's not like it's a sleeping pill you know you're gonna feel like you've been you know hit by a frying pan and Mm. all of a sudden you're asleep it's not like that it sort of helps support a good sleep so it helps you just sort of nod off a bit faster maybe wake Mm. up less in the night um and then the benefits sort of build with time but the beauty yes. I think is with these things, it's sort of if you think about bees, they really are like little alchemists. You know, they make mm-hmm. these ingredients including honey that are so magical. And how do how do they even do it? I mean, if you look at pollen, pollen is the only natural ingredient known to contain every single vitamin and mineral that exists, as well as all the amino acids. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, is. Incredible. It really is, isn't
1: yeah. it? You know, it's so interesting when you were just saying that. I was thinking about when you opened the hive and we've had like a, a journey of shall we smoke the bees, shall we not smoke the bees, you know. Mm. You were saying about these different ingredients that sort of add to each other to make everything calm. And you know, when you smoke the bees, obviously they do then just stuff themselves on nectar and, and honey, you know, mm. and they gorge themselves and then they're really calm and when Paula Carnell came on and she said, take a teaspoon of honey before bed. And I've been doing that. And I just think of how
2: calm the bees go when they, they have loads of honey. Oh, there's an amazing book. And I don't know if either one of you have read it called The New Honey Revolution by, I think it's Dr. Ron Fessenden. And he talks about how honey helps you fall asleep. It's fascinating. I mean, there have been some studies and things on it. It's it's really interesting. I take honey before bed. I think it really helps. You kind of think, wouldn't you, with the sugar, that it would keep you
0: awake, that it'd sort of give you a boost before bed. So it's weird that it has that sort of
2: opposite effect than what you sort of think it would naturally do. Well, what's interesting is, it's, honey does energize you, but. In this book, and I can't remember all the, you know, the exact science behind it, but basically, you need a certain type of ratio of of glucose to fructose or whatever it is when you sleep for your brain and your organs to sort of like repair themselves and regenerate. And, and the makeup of honey is optimum for what your body requires. So I think that's why they say if you have honey before bed that you wake up feeling more refreshed and more rested because you're. Body sort of has the fuel to sort of better do what it needs to do during the night, which I I think sounds fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you, Sarah, me and Jane have been really fascinated by all the different types of honey, you know, especially since we've been doing the podcast. I mean, before the podcast, we just ate the honey. I mean, Jane got you you got honey from me didn't you jane and i just ate my own honey and and now there's all these different types of honey that have come to us and don't know whether you think one particular honey is better to make you fall to sleep or
2: any honey well i did speaking of Paula Carnell who is amazing i did her honey tasting club And she had some amazing honeys. I I now am spending all of my hard-earned cash on honey. I've really Mm. become a honey nerd. Um, Me too. (laughs) And I really love the – like she does some that come from Madagascar that are amazing. And then Mm. there's one, Wayne Wright's does a honey, which I think is from – zambia or something and yeah. it's these guys that are climbing up the tree and taking the honey out of the hive with their bare hands wow and you just know it's so pure nothing's been added they you know he's they're not giving the bees any sugar or anything like that it's just so pure and it tastes just like toffee there's so many incredible honeys out there i'm afraid sarah that i was a bit of a sinner before i came to this
0: podcast and i was buying the squeezy honey from a supermarket. Oh,
2: How Mm. could you? Well, I don't think people understand how much of that sort of honey is fake. I mean, it's this sort of the second or third most faked food product after something like olive oil. Is it? One has to be really careful.
0: Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. I mean, Mm. and and I suppose people think, you know, well, it's cheap. I mean, the one that I was
2: buying was (laughs) £1.79. Oh, that's corn syrup, Jane. That's just corn syrup. What is corn? What is corn syrup? It's what all the Americans love. It's in everything. It's just not good for you at all. I mean, it's a corn derivative. Um, It has an extremely high glycemic index. Whereas real honey, diabetics can have real honey. Diabetics should not be having corn syrup and refined sugar willy-nilly like that. There's a great documentary on Netflix called um, the 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 documentary is called rotten and the episode is called lawyers guns and honey and it's absolutely fascinating and and they explain how this honey fraud happens oh
1: gosh that sounds good and the
2: types of things they use there are all these um ways now that you can check honey to make sure it's real and the people that are faking the honey are coming up with new ways to get past these testing machines so you know, corn syrup, now they can test for that. So they may make sweet syrups out of, well, they were making them out of rice, which is maybe not, you know, horrific, but still quite bad. Then they were making syrups out of, you know, tree bark. Mm you can't imagine what they're making this fake stuff out of. Well, that's,
0: that's interesting, Sarah, because um, when we've chatted about this previously on the podcast, we, well, I was led to, a, a, to believe that it was just blended honey and that it was heated and blended. So there were no good properties left in it. So it isn't even honey.
2: Oh, no, some many, many of these commercial honeys do not contain any honey. Wow. If something mm. is very cheap, just don't buy it. I really, really believe that honey, pure, raw, proper honey from real beekeepers and proper bee farmers doing it correctly should be much more expensive. I think it should mm. be at least 30 to 50, per, much more expensive. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's a gift. It's real, proper honey is absolutely I know, but heavenly. then people,
0: people, people, a lot of people aren't educated about honey though, are they? So they see honey. On you know, in a squeezy bottle in the supermarket, think, oh honey, that's good for us. We'll have some of that. Well, you know, that 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 can be the good thing in our diet. That's one pound seventy nine squeezy bottle of honey. I know. So, you know, if somebody saw if somebody saw another bottle of honey, you know, a glass jar honey next to it and it was
2: thirty pounds, then they're not gonna go for that, then are they? Well, you know what I think, Jane? Okay, first of all, I think there've been a lot of articles about this. I think people are starting to understand a little bit more. Also, I think The thing about those squeezy bottles, if you think if you're going to put something in, you know, five cups of tea a day or your porridge, you're going to go through a lot of honey. Is it that bad to use it? Maybe not. I mean, you just have to understand it may not be honey. Maybe one uses those cheaper versions that may not be real honey to sweeten things. Mm. And then I just think Real honey should be revered a bit more and appreciated Mm. a bit more and savored. You know, you wouldn't, of course, you wouldn't buy a, you know, a 20 or 10 pound pot of honey and, you know, slap a big blob of it into, you know, baked scones or something with it. I guess what I'm saying is the real genuine article, I, I just think it's underpriced.
1: I think I agree, yeah. and I think that we live in this consumer society. They're trying to sell us everything that we might possibly want, mm. you know, every single thing, so we can feel that we can reach everything, can't we? We can be like the Kardashians. <laughs> we can, mm. you know, we can we can have all these things, even though a lot of them are actually fake. And I think they're really. Wonderful things, you know, the alchemy in bees and the wonderful, wonderful, revered, unique properties that bees have got, and and this honey is. Yeah, we we should be paying more. And I think in the old days, you know, they just thought, oh my goodness, a one pot of honey. Let's all just take a little teaspoon, you know, every night before bed, or maybe on a
2: Sunday or something, and that's the value of honey. I think I think you're probably right about that. But one thing I do think is really good news is people are much more interested now in a food product's provenance. And I think people are starting to understand that honey and producing honey and pollen and and, and propolis and all these things. First of all, it's a lot of work for the bees and it's a lot of work for the beekeepers too. Mm. And I think that's why I think real honey should have a good a, a a respectable price on put on it and we should appreciate it but then do you not think then it becomes
0: elitist then so only only people who are you know earning a certain amount of money can afford honey.
2: well that's a good point i'm not saying it should be really overpriced and you know the beekeepers should all be you know driving around and rolls royces or any of that i think i think there has to be a a happy medium where it's it's affordable it's a bit more than it is now but but maybe it's more of just people understanding the value Mm. of it and how much goes into the production of it and and maybe like i say i think it's fine to buy the less expensive honeys or the more i mean you know those types of things if you're going to be using a lot of it but
1: Yeah, you're not going to squirt, you know, um, Arbutus honey all over your body before you sort of have some sort of (laughs) erotic experience, are you? Because actually it's so expensive. (laughs) You know, you'd use the squeezy honey for that. But, you know, and people who haven't got so much money, maybe, you know, it's like a, a nice bottle of wine or sherry or or something
2: really special. That's what I think about honey. But I think, you know, if if one sort of ch- switches the sort of way they think about it, look at how much a pint of beer costs or a pack of fags. Mm. And, yeah. and you could go through, look, think how quickly you go through that. And you buy a really lovely jar of honey and you could even, I wish I could only stick to one teaspoon a day. I'm quite the greedy <laughs> guts with honey. But but um, <laughs> it's going to last quite a long time. I mean, even if you spend six, seven, eight pounds on a nice pot of honey, um, it, it could last you a couple of weeks, perhaps. It's not, you know, yes. that oh, expensive. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite selfish with my
0: honey. So I, I don't, like I say, I don't really share it. So it does actually last because I suppose I am really savoring it.
2: Well, I have to sometimes hide my honey from my husband because not that he hogs it, but he, he just does such a food crime. He sort of shoves in a bit of bread or a bit of cracker into the honey pot. And I'm like, are you mentally (laughs) deranged? no. No, No, I mean, how grotesque is that? And then I come back later and there's like a blob of his old bread in there. I'm like, you don't understand, this is really, wonderful no. honey that's come from you know god knows where and now there's a bit of your old biscuit down in there what's <laughs> yes, wrong with so you a bit of butter and um, a slab of butter in there no. as well Oh, no, there needs Sarah. to be some honey etiquette thank you
0: very much where well you that- have to find a good you have to find a good hiding place for it oh, I, yes you're right <laughs> To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: So Sarah, where do you get your bee
2: products from? Well, we get them mostly from around Europe. The the most interesting place I think we get one from we get the pollen the organic bee pollen from the most incredible bee farm in the north of spain that's um way up in the hills of galicia that's just absolutely beautiful there's nothing around for miles the bees feed off of mostly mountain flowers and um and chestnut trees Mm. so we try to get really really good quality and the the propolis that we get is It took us a while to find the propolis. We buy it from a supplier in Spain, and it's absolutely just about the most concentrated, wonderful type of propolis that you can buy because you probably know propolis has natural antibiotic, antiviral properties. Quality is everything. So it's just, mm, it's really wonderful and it smells great. and And how do you find
0: out about those places, like the places in Spain?
2: Well, so when we started formulating our supplements, we really, really um, looked around to try to find the best sort of manufacturer. So we've used different manufacturers over the years. We've now been with one for a pretty long time now, I guess about eight years. So they're GMP, Good Manufacturing Practices, which is a very difficult accreditation to get. And, And they're just great. And they supply a lot of our ingredients. So they source a lot of our ingredients, but then we get a lot of them as well. So it's really just through I mean, they provide incredible ones. And then the ones that we source, um, just a lot of sort of looking around. And we've sort of landed on two main suppliers that – just are really diligent about getting the best quality well oh, I noticed when I
1: tried your um supplements which I took after COVID and I you know it's always hard to know isn't it about supplements and whether it's what's happening you know and are oh, they helping mm. you but I must admit I took the supplements for a week and so did Jeannie my daughter and they really did help us I felt just knowing when I popped um the there was the the I can't remember which one it was because I had the... Maybe um, the immune one? The immune one was really... To be prepared. Really strong of
2: propolis. Really any immune supplement. So if you take them after you're already sick, they can help you sort of shave a few days off the number, uh, you know, the number mm. of days that you're going to be sick. They can help with that. Immune products really are best taken sort of Either kind of daily is like a preventative just to booster up your immune system. And these, they don't stimulate your immune system like an echinacea or something. They just sort of reinforce mm. it. So nothing is really happening until a pathogen comes into the body. So you don't wear down your uh, immune system. But also, I notice because, you know, I don't take supplements every day, but just be prepared. If I start to feel a sore throat or like I'm getting sick or something's not right, if I take a couple of those, for a couple of days, they really can make mm-hmm. a difference. Mm. If you don't take them all the time and you take them after you're already quite ill, if you imagine bacteria and virulence infections spread so quickly in the mm. body, you're almost a little bit on the back yeah. foot. So you want to try to catch it as early as possible when you're taking any sort of like, you know, ingredients that are good for immunity. Mm. Right.
0: So that's, that's good to know. I'm, I'm afraid, Sarah, because I'm in between two places at the moment. So my supplements are in, <laughs> waiting for me in London. Mm. So I'm not actually taking them, but I I could have done with them because I
2: also had COVID. Oh, I'm so sorry. You both had COVID. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm not sure if you've got the Be Energized, but we've had a lot of people write in to say they've been taking that after having COVID, just because you're run down anyway. And then if someone has long COVID, because of course you know bee pollen is so great for you know for energy and and that one's also got some other things that help with like you know when you're very tired and lacking a bit of brain fog I took that one I thought it was great and me Mm. and Jeannie
1: took it and you know I had to sort of get straight back to work I was just you know popping it and it was great three strong colonies at the moment, which is a bit bit of a funny old year, but um, one of them makes so much propolis. And I know beekeepers over the years have bred queens to not make so much propolis and because it's hard for the beekeepers to open the the Mm. hive. But one of them is literally, it's like opening a sort of toffee tin.
2: Well, I wonder, Esther, if there's not some sort of issue around there, because basically what bees do, they say that the inside of a bees hive is the most hygienic place on the planet because Mm. they're lining everything with this propolis, which which kills germs, that's actually microbial, all the rest of it. I wonder if they're not Mm -hmm. making a a lot more than the others because maybe there's something going on in or around the hive or outside the hive that they're trying to protect it from. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm, That's interesting. I've got
1: the bee inspector coming actually next week, so he'll be having a look. I think they could have varroa, you know. um, They were a colony that I started off this year from somebody who just gave me a few frames of bees and I put a queen in.
2: Or maybe there are cracks in the hive. Maybe the hive has somehow shifted and become a little bit, cracked and you know they're trying to seal up the cracks or something i don't know but everything seems to be fine they all look healthy Mm. and everything
1: but they're making more much more propolis than the other two colonies. And I do think that some bees make more propolis. I mean, that is a Mm. fact, I think, you know, and like I say, over the years, you know, they say, oh, this queen's better, you know, it doesn't get so, you don't get so much propolis. But of course, in your business, you want the propolis. And and me and Jane were thinking about, you know, trying to make a little tincture or something like that. You should. I was going to take some of the propolis off and... We were going to have a go,
2: weren't we, Jane? Mm. Yes. You know what else is really good? You should make some sort of cream or salve out of it. I have a recipe I could send you because it's so wonderfully healing for skin. If you have, you know, eczema or burns or spots or anything like that that's another fun thing you could make with it Mm.
1: it's just everything you need isn't it in there Mm.
2: why does the propolis not
0: protect the bees from things like efb then
1: bees can only do so much to protect themselves from pathogens you know they make a pretty good job of it if they seal their whole hive up with propolis Mm. and you know and that protects them but obviously, sometimes they just get overwhelmed by certain pathogens. And going back to varroa mite, mm. if they're overwhelmed with varroa mite, they're already depleted. You know, they might have passed on the deformed wing virus, The, um, which, you know, all all these... Once bees are depleted in any stressful situation, it's like us. You, you know, you, you work, 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 and bees are doing that. They work, work, work all day. I mean, some of them don't work. You know, they have to be given a little bit of a shake by the other workers, but they are very busy and you know if there's anything that's de- depleting them if they've, if they've got you know a couple of varroa stuck to them where they're flying round and all that they're going to be feeling pretty miserable and all the propolis in the world can't probably wouldn't be able to help them with that you know that's not their fault that they've picked up this mite. um but they do they do a pretty good job of making it the best place and um you know, I was thinking about <clears throat> what can happen with the propolis. And you probably know about this, Sarah, you know, if anything, an invader comes into the hive, I mean, not me, obviously, because they wouldn't do this to me, but they can cover other insects with propolis, the mice with propolis. Mm. Maybe even they could, if if I fell over into a large hive, maybe they'd they cover me with propolis. They probably cover you with propolis, Jane, because you're a lot smaller.
2: <laughs> well, you know that you know that Egyptians used propolis in the mummification process. That's why they're so well preserved. So, they might just try to mummify you. So, you mm. better not take mm. too much of their honey and try to be nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Mm. I mean, the Egyptians must have worked that out, mustn't they? They must mm. have worked that out that they, you know, maybe Mm, who knows how they worked it out? Well, well, obviously they saw mice being mummified, and they saw that they were preserved. And
2: well, it, I mean, people have been using propolis since ancient times. I mean, it's really fascinating if you look at the history of it. Cleopatra used it in her mm. skincare regime. I was apparently. going to ask about that whether it was the old fashioned form of Botox. <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose. Well, you know, that's very interesting. I I don't know. I mean, that would be the venom, but. I, mm. I, I don't know. I've never looked at the history of that, but these people making these bee venom products now certainly seem to be doing quite well. Yes. Why, what? 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 What do you mean, bee, bee, bee venom products? Esther, you don't know about this
1: in beauty products?
2: Yes, yes. I think the first company that started doing it is something called Heaven Skincare, um, mm. which does really well, and they use bee venom. It's like a Botox type cream. Mm. Oh my God! I didn't know about that. Did yep. you, Jane? No, we need to get some of that. <laughs> yeah, no, look it up. Heaven skincare. Perhaps I'll get but a free um... pot of eye cream out of this or something. Mm. But no. <laughs> but but but, the, but I do wonder how they collect. The venom, yes, um, because that's interesting. there is oh. uh, bee venom therapy. Has you know, there there have been different studies. I mean, it's it's had some success. It looks quite interesting, but I think it, it depends on how they collect the venom. You know, if lots mm. of bees are going to be killed in the process, mm. that I wouldn't want to use something like that. No. But I mean, no. I have read that some companies there's a way that they can collect the venom where the bees are on like a piece of glass or something or a mirror, and then it. They sting that and it goes down, but it doesn't kill them. I don't know how much truth there is in that. But Mm -hmm. I think before I use any bee venom, I'd want to see how they collect it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be true because um,
1: the only reason why the the sting goes in, as you know, is it's because it's got the barb and it goes into mammals. But I've seen Mm -hmm. them. You know, with the wasps outside the hive, you know, the wasp gives them a little sting. They give the the wasp a sting back, but they're not dying when they sting mm. a wasp. All right. But of course, they do die when they sting us because their barb gets stuck in. So, right. mm. you know, it still doesn't sound great, does it? You know, I mean, this is again, you know, it's about what you take and what's all manageable, isn't it? And mm. OK for the bees. I mean, you must find that in your world, yes
2: but i think you know i think what people sort of don't understand i mean i of course there are lots of people that even think oh you shouldn't buy honey that's so terrible Mm, you know that's awful for the bees but but the reality is honeybees for colonies to survive and thrive they they really need beekeepers they do now beekeeping has become quite trendy and they're more, you know, the sort of, they're more beekeepers, but there was a big decline over about 50 years up until maybe 20 years ago or so. And, you know, it just wasn't so cool to be a beekeeper and you couldn't make much money. And I think, you know, people should feel, should feel good about buying sustainably produced and sourced honey and bee products from good reputable brands and beekeepers, because you're, you're creating demand, which encourages more beekeepers which is good for bees as well. Mm. But people ask that. People do think, I shouldn't use that because, you know, you're taking their bee pollen or whatever. I don't think people understand how much of these substances actually bees produce. I've just taken
1: my honey off my colonies. And, you know, I was so amazed this year. I took um, a couple of supers off. You know, they've already filled another super. Wow. Already. And that's before the ivy comes out. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I could take this all off. But I probably won't actually you know I probably won't to be honest i've I've done it all now and I've spun it all mm. but you know bees are amazing if like you say if if it's a good year there's so much coming in because they just keep they can't stop can they they can't stop yeah. going to work
0: now we've heard that you support bee
2: charities can you tell us a little bit more about that Sarah yeah we do and one of them that we support, which actually I really adore, is um, Bees for Development, which is really fascinating. And basically what they do is they teach people in some of the most deprived areas of the world how to become beekeepers and sell honey and bee products. And what's really interesting is if you go on their website, they have all these wonderful videos of stories of the different people they've helped, like, you know, they've sort of convinced illegal poachers to stop poaching and to become beekeepers. And oh, yeah. and there was one village where there were customarily the girls at around maybe 11 or 12 or 13 would get shipped off for marriage. And one of the girls got sent off and she ran away and came back home and of course had no way to earn money. And she was quite young, but they taught her how to become a beekeeper. So she now has a thriving business along with a lot of other young girls from this village. So mm. they sort of can just lift entire communities out of poverty through teaching them to keep bees. It's really wonderful. The Duchess of Cornwall is the, is the new president. Wow. And Sting is a patron. Oh, is he? It's a very interesting charity. It's worth, worth checking them out. You might ought to get them on the podcast. They're very interesting. Oh,
0: my God. We'd love that. I think it's hilarious that Sting is a patron.
2: I know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird not to have him as a patron, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sarah,
2: thank you so much. You've been absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, really brilliant. Thank you guys so much. I, I've really been enjoying the podcast so much. So it's a real honor. It's been great and it's been really fun. I really appreciate it. And we'd
1: love to try all your products and then we'll be properized. Then we'll be mummified by the populace, <laughs> won't
0: we, Jane? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's thank unbelievable. you so much. I won't even attempt to sing, but... <laughs> Yes. I do like that
0: song. We don't want our guests to forget what your company is called, so it's good that Esther keeps singing. It's unbelievable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you you very much.
1: You are lovely. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. now. Bye. 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 is written and created by esther coles and jane horrocks it is produced by claire broughton andy goddard and john wakefield and partly recorded at the hives on my allotment near crouch end in london our title music is sweet nothing by amy may ellis and will cookson don't forget to follow us on instagram at queen bees pod for pictures and videos from the hive queen bees is a hat trick podcast
0: feels so good just to have you around Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.